You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. We had, I think, game of the year, Matt. On Monday Night Football, we'll break down everything from Browns, Ravens, and your questions today. Our two-minute drill will try to answer at least one question on every division in the NFL for at least two minutes. This football season has been different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I am Brian Peacock, at BD Peacock on Twitter, co-host Matt Williamson, the scout. I must follow at Williamson NFL. Matt, I would imagine that those that were drinking Pepsi during that Monday Night Football game, Browns-Ravens, needed a, a refill a time or two because that one was a doozy. 47-42, the final score. Before we get to everything we saw and what it meant for the playoff picture in the AFC and in the division there, I want to talk about just the score, the five points that that went from three points, which was the line, and it was a push, to five points with that garbage time safety and one of the worst backdoor covers of all time. That was amazing. Yeah, I was on the winning end of that, so I was quite thrilled. That worked out quite well. Um, earlier in the week when we had talked to Chris, I had taken the game at two and a half, and then right before kickoff, I'm feeling strong about it. I'm going to take it at three, too, and that worked out quite well for me. And then I had a, a dynasty league, how about this? I had a dynasty league where I needed 12 points. My opponent was done. I needed 12 points out of Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Marquise Brown. And the two Steelers did nothing. <laughs> and I went into that game going, oh, no, I need like eight or nine points from Marquise Brown. He did not. He had three drops, didn't do a thing all night, even though the Ravens scored 47 points, until Lamar comes out like Willis Reed and hits him on fourth down for the long touchdown. Yay! Amazing. Yeah. So when, what a when, game. When Trace McSorley comes into the game, you're probably thinking, well, that's done. That's right? a wrap. And yep. then uh, I'm eliminated. <laughs> so much made. I don't even know where it started, but someone came up with the idea and everybody on Twitter ran with it that Lamar Jackson had to poop and that's why he was gone. But no, it was cramps. He was cramping. <laughs> he even had a bandage from the IV fluids he was getting during that time. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this game. I guess we got to start with Lamar Jackson, who was cramping, left the game came back and then was on fire. Five of six there with the touchdown pass led to, led the team right down the field for a score. Cleveland comes back, rolls all the way down the field and scores. Baker Mayfield had a fantastic game and left too much time on the clock. A minute and two seconds, I think it was. And that was plenty of time for Lamar to do damage again and get across midfield and line up a uh, a kick for the best kicker in the NFL. And how much of an advantage is that right now? Just having Justin Tucker on your roster. It was his only field goal attempt of the game, a 55-yarder, a game winner with all the bad kicking. We talked about it yesterday. It's it's the worst year I've ever seen for missed kicks. And this week might have been one of the worst weeks for missed yeah. kicks. And we saw it from Cody Parkey, who missed a field goal in this game and an extra point. And, and Tucker, I think, missed an extra point as well. But having that weapon, having that weapon in Justin Tucker, and when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to late season games, when it comes to winning a game in the very last second, that's a huge advantage for Baltimore to have a weapon like Justin Tucker. 
it's immense. And it's been immense over the Harbaugh era. They're always at the top of the league in special teams, not just their kicker, but I mean, he's a huge reason why. I don't even think it's close. I mean, kicking's obviously changed since Lou the Gro Toza came, you know, straight on or Mark Mosley. I mean, kicking's come a long way, obviously. And when soccer guys got involved, but I think he's Jerry Rice, Rob Gronkowski, clearly the best at his position ever type. Like, it's a Ooh. conversation for who's number two. And I kind of feel like specialists should have their own wing in the Hall of Fame. But when he's up, he's a first ballot guy. And if that means keeping a really good linebacker or guard or wide receiver out, it's full. It's absolutely deserving. And he is so instrumental in Harbaugh's winning percentage as he was last night. He's a superstar. Pretty amazing. Uh, speaking of superstars, Lamar Jackson, it wasn't a great game for him passing until he came back into the game and led them down the field. That was his only touchdown pass to Marquise Brown after he came back from uh, right immediately following the Trace McSorley injury. And how bad was that turf? Multiple people slipping. And, yeah, uh, what was going on with that? Yeah, Especially it, Jackson. It, I think it was part of, of Jackson cramping up and getting hurt because he slipped multiple times in the first half. McSorley, I don't know exactly what the prognosis there. I don't know if there's been an MRI yet on his knee. That didn't look great for him. And, I mean, it was the best thing that happened for Baltimore, though, because that meant Lamar Jackson came running back on the field. He might not have come back at that point. Maybe he might not have come back at all in this game, but it was him on the ground doing tons of damage. He averaged 13.8 yards per carry, 124 yards on his nine carries and two touchdowns. So uh, Lamar's legs was really the story in this game before the the heroics of him coming back from cramps, not needing to uh, to use the restroom for, uh, like, whatever, a half an hour, however long he was gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all that. And, you know, short week. I hope Lamar's fine for next week, but you never know. Cramps usually are something that are hydration. You know, you, you, you get an IV and you're okay. Um, I mean, that was – he looked himself running the ball. He was a little questionable throwing it, but he was 11 for 17. I mean, there was a stretcher right before the end of the first half where he had he had thrown three passes. I mean, like when they got the ball on that last drive in the first half, he had, he had thrown three passes at that point. One note I really wanted to make, though, about their passing game, Mark Andrews really makes a difference for them. You know, like Marquise Brown had the big play, but he's so inconsistent. Andrews can be the go-to guy. He can also create big plays. He had a 39-yard reception in this one, six targets. They really need him in the lineup. They're two different passing games with and without him. But this game, I mean, 89 points. 35 of them in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was one of the most entertaining games of the year. Talked about Tucker. I kind of wanted it to go to overtime just so I could watch more of it. And I kind of want to talk about, first of all, I want to mention too, I've been hard on Mayfield. This is two games in a row. One bad interception aside, he's played very, very well. Ball placement, uh, accuracy, timing, rhythm. He's in a good place right now. So where are these teams? You know, I mean, one's eight and five, one's nine and four. I don't think the Browns really have a shot now to win the division. All the Steelers have to do is win one more game, and they have the Bengals this week. So that's probably done. But the Browns are going to the playoffs, and I think the Ravens most likely are too. We talked yesterday about how this might even be a must-win game for the Ravens, and I think it was yeah. because even after winning this game, they're still the eight seed right now because know, the crazy. Dolphins are also eight and five, and those are the two teams that would be battling it out for 
the the final seed in the AFC playoffs if the season ended today and Miami wins the tiebreaker over Baltimore because they have a better in-conference winning percentage. Uh, and so that was a huge game for Baltimore. They're still behind Cleveland in both the playoff um, seeding. Cleveland at five, Baltimore at eight, and in the division in the AFC North, second and third behind Pittsburgh. Uh, but there are two teams between Cleveland and Baltimore in those playoff seating, which I mentioned the Dolphins and also the Indianapolis Colts are 9-4, and four, just like the Browns are. Browns have tiebreaker over the Colts. So uh, those are the teams we're talking about, and the Raiders at 7-6 and six are the only other team that realistically has a shot at the playoffs. The 10 seed would be the Patriots, who aren't even 500. They're 6-7, and seven, so um, it's up to the Raiders to really, they might have to win out to even have a shot, and that might not even be yeah. enough uh, with the way some of the teams in front of them well. are playing. Yeah, and, and Las Vegas isn't playing real well. Baltimore, I think last week getting the, the Dallas Cowboys helped them confidence-wise. I think this is a huge confidence-boosting game for them and a huge win over the Browns, but they still have a lot of work to do to get in themselves. Oh, without question. And I just feel like Baltimore playing like a playoff team, but you laid that out well. Like, they need a little help. You know, they're not in the driver's seat. The Browns have a very easy schedule. They're going to get in. They're playing well. This felt like a playoff game, though. I mean, it was desperation time for Baltimore. would have a much different tone about their playoff chances if they lost. And it's also desperation times for the Browns. I mean, trust me, I was a, a Brown for a year, and I've been a Steeler homer forever. I mean, I understand the dynamic in this division where – Cleveland wants nothing better than to be able to hang with the big brothers, you know, the the twins that have been beaten up on you your whole life in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And this showed that they could. They still didn't get that win, but it was a playoff-like atmosphere to me in all the right ways. But the one thing I haven't heard about today, you know, everyone's talking about, wow, what a great game, and it was. But these defenses weren't so good. Yeah, there's almost 100 points. <laughs> I think the over-under was 47, and the Ravens scored 47 like themselves. Yeah, it was almost 100 points scored in this game. This was like a, a weird Friday night Mac game that, that went crazy, or one uh, of the old um, West Coast games. That, yeah, and so 47-42, both these teams need to figure some things out on, uh, on defense. For the Browns, it's that run defense, and um, for, for the Ravens, uh, we we don't really talk about what the what Baltimore did on offense, but Chubb looking like Chubb as we'd expect a couple of touchdowns on the ground. He had 17 carries for 82 yards, averaged four four point eight yards per carry. Hunt averaged five and a half yards per carry. Did get into the end zone a couple times, uh, once on a on a rush and another time on a catch, and and should have maybe had another one that tipped off of his hands and into the hands of I think Donovan Peoples Jones or no, right. who, who caught that touchdown pass that tipped off of uh cream hunts. Oh no, it was the two point conversion. That's what it was. It was a two point. Yeah. 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 So, um, but anyway, like the running backs doing work there and, and I think maybe, and, and I heard this from one of the, from a former NFL quarterback and an analyst talking about the Browns offense and Baker Mayfield and talking about how it can be very freeing to not have that target hog wide receiver, that true number one yeah. guy in Odell Beckham and just being free to go through your reads and not have to go back to that guy where, you know, you're going to have to go back to him as a read and, and, and rely on that read. You can just be free hit who was ever, whoever's open and, and check down. And so you've seen a lot of that with Kareem Hunt catching a lot of balls. He caught six passes. Rashard Higgins, six passes. Jarvis Landry caught six, six passes. Donovan Peoples-Jones doing some things. Uh, had a 37-yarder on his three receptions. So just really spreading the ball around on offense for Cleveland. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And 
Uh, they, I don't say they're better without Odell, but there's a chance that Odell isn't back anyway. But I, I, I wrote a little blurb saying, boy, Higgins and Peoples-Jones have really stepped up and are strong yeah. peripheral options. And they're very different. Higgins is more of a chain mover. Peoples-Jones is the high dot guy. Hunt's obviously, Hunt and Landry are kind of constants and are very, very solid. But even Bryant and I thought Najoku was impressive too. Like they don't really have a weak link receiver. They might not have an alpha, but it's not like, boy, none of these guys can get open. I thought that was big. I I also thought it was noteworthy too that, you know, Jackson attempted 17 passes and was sacked four times too. I mean, like I I was kind (laughs) of hard on the defense, but uh, I mean, on a per drop back basis, Baltimore's protection was a problem. All right, we've spent a lot of time on this one game, probably as long as we spent on one game this year on on a single game reviewing it, but it was worthy of it because it was game of the year so far, and I don't know if there's going to be another one that tops that with what we saw happening Monday night. But let's get to your questions, our two-minute drill next, and cover some of these teams that will not be playoff teams as well as some that will coming up on Peacock and Williamson. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Here's a good one, and I hadn't really thought about this yet. This one is from Brian, and um, uh, this, this covers a number of different teams here, but Early 2021 Hard Knocks Power Ranks. This might Ooh. be the only opportunity HBO has to get the New England Patriots on Hard Knocks, right? So uh, he <laughs> wow. lays out his top four. He says Patriots, 49ers, Cowboys, three, Eagles, four. Uh, Patriots is so far and away number one, right? Getting Bill Belichick, getting the Patriots on Hard Knocks, and they haven't had the opportunity because if you're a playoff team, you are exempt from going on Hard Knocks. Who were the other ones? Niners, Cowboys, Niners, and who was the fourth? Uh, Eagles was four for for Brian in his power ranks. That's a pretty good group. Uh, oh, the Eagles, I guess, could sneak in the po- playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. Boy, I mean, whatever you could see a Belichick behind the scenes would be awesome. I forget what special it was that they kind of did peel back the curtain, and Belichick was. I don't. I think you and I talked about this way back when. He, he was having a hard time programming the clock in his SUV, and you know. <laughs> Um, just kind of like saw the human side of them. And I got to admit, I I can't wait. I hope someday we get a, what was the bulls one? The last dance, I think it was called. Yeah. yeah, I hope we, I hope we get a a Patriot one 10 years from now. And there has been some filming of the Patriots. And I don't know if it was just their own thing or I think there's probably plenty. And then obviously they can re-interview. What's a good way to steal signals? (laughs) (laughs) 
that's true. Yeah, they do have a, a robust film department. I didn't, yes, didn't think about that. Plenty there, right? They, they tend to do it uh, while focused on the opposing sidelines. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. And and you know what's funny here is the two and three in Brian's power rankings, and I don't disagree with the top three at all. 49ers Cowboys that have you know a lot of uh, fans around the league and would be popular teams to have on a, a show like Hard Knocks, and those teams aren't headed for the playoffs, obviously. The the 49ers Cowboys game this coming weekend that we will talk more about flexed out of prime time. Like, how sad is it for those oh, organizations that was like that was probably one of the number one draft picks. You know, if you were if you were uh, in a meeting with the N- NBC guys and and ESPN and CBS and you're all there trying to draft games that you want to have week 15 49ers Cowboys this year looked like it was going to be potentially that would be game of the year right and now it's getting flexed out of prime time so how sad is that yeah and immediately when I no matter what when you branch in those teams I'm sure this comes to mind for you too as a Niners guy I think Aikman and Young and T.O. I mean those they were the best two teams in the league they happened to be in the same conference and boy, hopes were really high for both of them in the preseason. Didn't work out that way. And real quick, back to the hard knocks question. All four of those teams he mentioned have really good fan bases. Eagles only have one, but a lot of trophies between them. And they all have uncertainty at quarterback. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. what if they don't resign Dak or Cam doesn't come back? I mean, we would know by now on Dak, but still, I don't know who any of those fours day one starter is 100% right now. Yeah, so much intrigue. It writes itself, right? Yeah. Disappointing season after being a, a uh-huh. team that's uh, that, that had huge aspirations coming in. The Niners coming off of a Super Bowl loss. Let's uh, talk about Super Bowl hangover. The Patriots, obviously, with a 20-year run. And then with intrigue and uncertainty at quarterback, maybe a dynamic of a rookie and a veteran, and then, of course, a coach or you know front office people. Uh, some some big personalities in the locker room with some of these teams. So uh, th- any of those would be fantastic. But I think, a, yeah, a clear top three is Patriots, 49ers, Cowboys. And I think that's the right order. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, any of those any given year would be really strong. No offense to the Rams or Chargers, but they're all better than that. They would get more attention. But if you can get behind the scenes in New England, oh, baby. Let's stay on the Patriots for a second. This kind of covers the AFC and NFC East with a question about or a pair of questions about Carson Wentz. Justin says Carson Wentz to the Patriots next season via trade question mark. Uh, Jordan says great show today. I don't know which show he was talking about when he sent us that one. They're but, all uh, great, but yeah, I'm sure it was any of them. So thank you, Jordan. Appreciate <laughs> that. He says I wanted to ask and and I'll have to send it again on the next Q and A episode. No, you don't have to send it again because I got it bookmarked right here, Justin. Thank you. Uh, he says, who could absorb Wentz's contract and also be a great fit? Pats? Question mark. So everyone wants to send Carson Wentz to the Pats all of a sudden because they got the cap room. He says, obviously, assume, I'm assuming my Eagles want to offload Wentz. So that's a, a huge question. There's not many teams this coming offseason that will have a ton of cap space, but the Patriots could be one that could absorb Carson Wentz. So uh, to that, I'll say, yeah, that's not impossible. The question for me is, do the Patriots like Wentz that much more than Cam Newton or some of the other options that they could trade for that they want to take on some of the guarantees in this contract, which would really help out the Eagles? And because you're taking on so much contract, the Eagles aren't going to get much in trade if they traded Wentz. Like, what would you offer? A fourth-round pick? Yeah, I don't think they're going to get much in compensation. I mean, it's going to have to be, we want to give Jalen everything. 
you wouldn't have much invested in your quarterback then. So there is that perk. It's not like you'd have to go get, you know, a $20 million guy, most likely, unless Hertz falls on his face between now and then, which is possible. I love the Patriot one. I, I think that is a very Belichick McDaniels type of move because he's a, he's sort of halfway between Cam and Brady. You know, I mean, he has some athleticism, but you're not married to just a running offense. I bet that's wearing a little thin for them. Um, in terms of cap, and plus they love the reclamation projects. I mean, the early picks, bring them back in there. I, I just went over to the cap.com to look at salary cap space for 2021. And this can change dramatically. The top two are the Jets and Jags. And I think we both think they'll draft their guy. Cool. Well, the Colts and Patriots are next and they're noticeably above everybody else. The Colts is an obvious you know, correlation because of Frank Reich and the cap space. But what if Rivers wins a playoff game or two? Like, are we, are we going to move on from Rivers for sure? I mean, Rivers is up and Brissett is up. Patriots are next on that list. Washington's next on that list. He's not going to go in division. I don't think I can't see that at all. Cincinnati doesn't need him. The Chargers don't need him. Dolphins don't need him. So those are all the other ones that are, you know, with a nice chunk of cap space. Tampa, Baltimore, the Browns, those are the Cardinals. Those are all kind of next in line. But the Colts and Patriots are the two that just scream as highly possibility. Get them out of the conference, established teams. Yeah, I could see him succeeding there too. And the the Eagles are 31st in cap space. They're over by $64 million. So if they decide Jalen Hurd's the guy, then they should. I mean, if if a team offers a seventh round pick and that's the only thing, like they they should want to give Wentz away for free because of the salary cap situation if they decide that Jalen Hurts is the guy going forward. So I think that'll benefit any team that has the cap space and wants to take them on. And the obvious two, as you mentioned, it's, it's Patriots and it's Indianapolis Colts getting Wentz back with Frank Reich. That would be super interesting there. And, and those are two of the the few teams that could actually absorb his contract that, that makes him sense. So, um, yeah, I, I like I like Colts. I like Patriots for Wentz, and that could be a good reclamation project. And it, it might be the only way for the Eagles to really get away from that contract. And will teams be willing to take on some of those guarantees on Wentz's deal? You know, whatever the best offer is, if Hurts is your guy, see you later, Wentz. And I think there's a date. I think it's the third day of the league year. There's another a bonus guarantee that kicks in. So uh, the there's one, a magic date. That makes yeah, it a the lot one easier. way that the Eagles can get out from under uh, Wentz's contract the soonest is a trade. If if they want to cut him, it would have to be at the very earliest June first, or more more likely 2022. Okay, here's my. I, I think the Colts and Patriots are just obvious fits. The more I think about this, I'm almost ready to say there's a better chance he's a Colt or Patriot than he is an Eagle. You know I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think that just adds up too well. But if you're the Colts or the Pats, could you go all in on them? Or are you bringing back Brissett? Or at least Stidham's in the building in New England. I mean, I don't think I bring back Rivers at that point. But Or are you drafting somebody? I guess Jacob Eason's in the building there. So maybe you have enough behind them to not get Wentz plus another. That's the thing. So if you are the Colts and you have the space to bring on Wentz, even with Rivers, if Rivers comes back, depending on how this year ends, I think you could hold on to both of those potentially. Maybe, even though maybe, that's yeah. a lot of money, it would it would seem to be an either or. 
And the thing with the they Colts, don't have a ton of other needs that they have to go yeah, spend. Either, and and they know? attacked a lot of needs this last offseason, which is why they're they're a pretty complete football team right now, because they had a, I think they had the most cap last year. They still have a ton of cap left, although that cap can disappear quickly when you start spending and you have big money guys like DeForest Buckner making 20 million dollars a year. Um, but the Patriots and the Colts are both going to be in a, in a situation where they they might not be they might not have the opportunity to draft one of the top four quarterbacks. And it looks like there's going to be four Probably clear won't. blue chips that first round quarterbacks. There might be a couple other guys, but I don't think drafting, you know, if you're the Patriots, let's say, and you draft Kyle Trask in the it'll, maybe you trade down in round one and, and draft Kyle Trask or maybe in round two, you draft Kyle Trask. I don't think that would really even alter your. I don't think Jarrett Stidham's going to alter any of your plans, and I don't think that kind of a draft pick would alter your plans. You could still go Wentz, and then you could have Stidham, and you could still have a, a draft pick as well and, and let all those guys compete. So uh, it makes more and more sense for New England the more I think about it. Yeah, I, I didn't want to – this is definitely not a two-minute drill at all, but <laughs> I still think Jimmy could end up in New England, and we'll talk so much more about this. Yeah. And real quick question for you. If you're the Colts, would you rather give up a four – for Wentz or a one for Stafford yeah that's another big one for for both those teams like I said they might not have the opportunity to draft a quarterback that's a slam dunk for them in the first round so then it makes sense for both of those teams the Patriots I I have I had thought that the Patriots make too much sense for for an outside quarterback like uh Stafford or or Jimmy G you know complete that circle with Jimmy G going back to New England or something like that for say a third so yeah so like a third for Jimmy a one for Stafford or a four for Wentz Uh, those are really great questions I think we're gonna have to do an episode where we we go through and we just fix the quarterback uh, you know with with every team we go through every team okay what's the quarterback solution here I like it yeah Uh, the musical chairs yeah (laughs) yeah then there's plenty of time to do that and it'll be a fun fun off season i think okay let's uh keep it going here i've got a couple questions about some coaches and i think we will at least touch on every division in the nfl on this episode are you hitting a wall on this tuesday knowing that the football week is now over well i've got good news for you there's another football week coming up that we've got covered on the show and you don't have to wait until thursday or sunday you can break through that wall now with built go whether it's a mental wall a physical wall break through it with go every day it's a small packet one and a half ounces very easy to take put it in your glove compartment in your pocket in your backpack in your briefcase in your golf bag to power through the back nine and built go is the best workout gel on the market it's like an energy drink without the same crash of his over sugared beverage and it's good for you it's natural it's better for your body three delicious flavors of built go peanut butter honey chocolate coconut and chocolate mint they are filled with protein collagen protein specifically because it's fast absorbing gets in your system fast and it's easy on the stomach beta alanine b vitamins honey and a little kick of caffeine visit builtgo.com and use promo code locked you'll get 20 percent off your next order that is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. I'm going to move to the AFC South, and Mr. Smart has a question about the Houston Texans GM and head coach search. He says, what do you all think about this quote-unquote committee Cal McNair has hired to find the next GM and coach in Houston? It's not my specialty, uh, uh, but uh, uh, you listen to people, and I've been around a while. I don't know that that's a great way of, of finding your guy. A lot of those 
you know, committees that, that owners hire. And for people who don't know, owners will hire this committee or they'll put a committee together and say, hey, go vet these guys. Give me a list of three. Who do you recommend? Write up strengths and weaknesses. But a lot of those guys just go recommend their friends or, you know, I mean, yeah, like you recommend- everybody has an agenda or they happen to have the same agent, you know, like too much of that stuff happens. <laughs> right. And, and there's weird, like ties that go back 15, 20 years. It's like, okay. Right. And we've seen, it's like, okay, you were a great coach 10 years ago, but where are you at right now? Cause the league has changed a lot in 10 years. The, the league has changed a lot in three or four years. And, and a lot of owners, you see this, they'll hire a firm, but uh, these firms aren't, a lot of times, you know, and, and each owner will do things differently. And sometimes they don't own it all. And they have a really good pulse on what's going on in the NFL. But in some cases, like you or I would have a much better view of who a great coach in the NFL could be than an NFL owner. Cause you know, they've made their money elsewhere. They're involved in these other businesses. So they'll hire a firm to find a great candidate. Like they might, if they were trying to hire a CEO for their outside business, but it's a very different business in the NFL. So I don't know if that's always the right way to find the best candidate i think it's usually pretty obvious and pretty clear who the top handful of candidates are every cycle in the nfl and around the league so i don't know if uh hiring a committee or hiring some outside firm to you know find the best resume for you is the right way to go about it if you're an owner and you're not in tune enough to be able to make that decision yourself probably a bad sign i know nothing about the business world but let's say Fox or Apple or some huge company, Amazon, whoever, needs to find a new CEO. How would they go about doing it? Personally, again, I know no, I I have no idea. But I do know all 32 of those NFL teams are multi-billion dollar corporations. You know, and you're really hiring your CEO. I mean, your most important guy. Sometimes that's kind of the general manager, but in most buildings, the head coach is the most important man in charge, you know, so shouldn't you kind of go about it the same way? I don't know. I I think it's, there's some similarities, but I think it's just so different. I think that's why you see teams with general managers stick around so long and get a chance to draft multiple quarterbacks and multiple coaches because the owners are disassociated with it at some point, you know, and they just want the GM to run the show for them and they want to sit back and and own an NFL team, you know? So, uh, and every owner is different. Some, some are very involved in the league. Some are actually running the show themselves as a quasi GM or at least a president of the team. And some are just not all that involved. And you can tell the ones that aren't as involved because they need to hire people just to find out who a good coach is in the NFL when it should be pretty obvious. And then you interview them and then you hire them. So um, I I don't know. I think there's some similarities to big business. And you're right. It's a it's a huge decision for a franchise. Right. But I uh, maybe that. You're right. I don't think the hiring process should be the same, but the importance of it is the same. Yes, the importance of it is absolutely massive. Right. And and you've got to get the right fit at GM and head coach and you got to have a head coach and GM that work well together too. And the other thing that's messed up with the NFL is, boy, we've seen this in Washington over the years and many other places. Well, the GM or the president, whatever his title is, has the owner's ear, his job safe. And he sits there and has scotches with the owner and says, Hey, I drafted the right guy. This guy just couldn't develop him." You know, and the coach is probably thinking, Give me some players. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> right. yes, they work in unison until your feet are to the fire and somebody's getting fired. Then it's the other guy's fault. Yeah. And that's where you see, you know, the 
GMs and head coaches that are on the outs with each other because the head coach says, I need this type of player. And the and the GM's like, well, I'm going to draft the best available player. I'm going to draft this. And then the coach says, well, you didn't give me this because I need this one thing. And and the GM's like, well, we can't draft for need every time because this player is better. And then, you know, you, you, you can see where heads would start sure. to butt there. So personalities are also a big part of this. And which leads to this other question about coaches uh, from Dave talking about uh, Matt Patricia and the Lions coaching job. He says, following your comments about Matt Patricia last week, do you think the most important thing for a head coach is leadership? And if necessary, you can leave the X's and O's to the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and hire some young up-and-comers there. Leadership, number one for you, Matt. If, if you were the, the owner of, say, uh, the Lions or the Texans and you're trying to find a head coach, is leadership number one? Yeah, as is being yourself, you know, like that that reflects off Patricia a little bit. Like you need to be genuine. These are grown men with kids at home and many millions in the bank that have been around the block. And maybe you could fake it a little bit in college and rah-rah your way through things and recruit the heck. But uh, at the professional level, I think you have to be genuine. You have to be honest. And uh, that doesn't mean you treat everyone fairly. I mean, like Jimmy Johnson used to say, you know, Michael Irvin could be late for meetings, but my third string guard can't. That's fine. As long as everybody knows the rules, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I, I, I read Bobby Bowden's book way back when. And one thing that really stuck with me was, you know, he won a ton of games at Florida state. And, and one thing he kept reiterating in the book is I, I'm going to run the show I want to hire people smarter than me that won't stay here, that have bright careers, and I'll coach them how to coach or I'll coach them how I want that position coached. But I don't need a guy that's just going to do exactly what I tell him. I need somebody smarter than me to be my quarterback coach who's only going to last here a couple of years and then move on. And then I'll hire the next young coach and coach him how I want to coach, and then he'll move on. You know, like – that's good business. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm down with that 100%. Uh, let's go to Joshua really quick here. He says, if the Packers have the one seed locked up, do you want to see Jordan Love play in week 17? Uh, that one's simple for me. We can go shorter than two minutes for once here. Yes, absolutely. I would yes, love to see. I, I want to see Jordan Love play. I want to see him play next week. Uh, I'm not too worried about the, the the Packers one seed, but the Packers themselves should be worried about the one seed. But if it's locked up, yeah, sit Rodgers. Don't get him hurt. Although, Two weeks. Two weeks a is a long time, though. Yeah. yeah. So maybe a maybe a second half situation where Rodgers plays the first half. You have it planned out. He sits. Jordan Love comes in, and, and everyone has fun. I, and we're so bad about keeping this to two minutes. It's always my fault. But here's what I think: <laughs> is maybe not even the one seeds, but this year with home field really not mattering, I think we're going to see a lot of teams sitting people in week seventeen because. I always bring it back to the Steelers. The Steelers have lost their – the Chiefs will probably be the one in the AFC. But the Steelers look so battered and beat up right now. If they can sit people in Week 17 and instead of the two seed, they become the three seed, it's super worth it to me. Oh, you know, absolutely. And I think many teams have that. We'll look at it that way. I think the Steelers more than anyone because of what yes. they've gone through this, this, this year with the schedule and everything. I'm with you on that. Uh, and – I don't think any team's going to want to go on the road, so I don't know if they'll play it that way, but it might be the smart way to play it. I mean, the difference between the two, three, the two and three seed isn't that big a deal. The difference between the three and four seeds not that big a deal. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have to probably go to KC anyways when it's all said and done. You know, like last night's game had massive playoff ramifications, big ramifications in the AFC North and the Steelers. And I told my buds, I'm like, the Steelers' goal for this game should be 
lock up the AFC North and make everything possible that week 17 against the Browns doesn't matter that much. Mm. So they can sit Ben and Pouncey and Hayward and those guys. And a lot of teams fit that mold where I don't care if I'm the five seed or the six seed. I'm a wild card. I'm in, I'm getting the rest before the playoff run. And this season more than any, that home field advantage is going to matter the least right. in the playoffs. Yep. It does, that's the whole point. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't Absolutely. matter. Thanks, everybody, for all your questions in this 20, I mean, two-minute drill segment that we do every week. Maybe I'll do a timer one day. Carry something over tomorrow. Maybe maybe we'll just do a trial where I I, I put a timer on it. We'll actually do two minutes and see if it's better than just letting us go on some of these questions. But um, I think there were some questions. That actually would be a fun drill because I would fail every time, but it would still. And I've got full (laughs) control. I can just mute your mic as soon as as the bell Ah. goes off. I I wouldn't (laughs) do that. Give me a 10-second warning. Uh, All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for all the questions. Apologies if we didn't get to yours. We'll do it again next week and tomorrow. Stock up, stock down with an added fantasy playoff angle right here. Peacock and Williamson.